just a warning, this next conversation deals with the loss of a preterm baby. It is a cliche we've seen play out on uh, screens many, many times. The penny drops for a female protagonist of reproductive age. They glance at the calendar before dashing to the bathroom at work or at home. Yes, it's morning sickness. But a cliche is usually a cliche because it's true. More than two-thirds of women suffer from morning sickness in their first trimester. However, for some women, it's a much, much bigger problem that can cause harm and risk to mother and child. A new study has confirmed the cause of severe morning sickness or hyperemerensis gravidarum, or HG. Dr. Marlena Faiso is a geneticist at the University of Southern California, Keck School of Medicine. Welcome to you. Just tell me, what's the difference between common morning sickness and this HG? Yeah, so like you said, most people have some nausea and vomiting in pregnancy, but hyperemesis gravidarum or HG is much, much more severe. Uh, so it it's nausea and vomiting that affects daily activity. It usually lasts all day and night for days and actually weeks or months. It can last the entire pregnancy and there's an inability to eat and or drink normally. Uh, the patients usually have signs of dehydration. They usually have weight loss of greater than 5% of their pre-pregnancy weight instead of gaining weight in their pregnancy and electrolyte imbalances from the dehydration. And they generally require support and medication and IV fluids for the dehydration. And then in more extreme cases, they're going to need hospitalization and supplemental nutrition. I understand that you yourself have had some lived experience with HG. Can you tell me what happened? Yeah, so I had uh, I had hyperemesis that was so bad in my second pregnancy that I could not eat or drink or move without violently vomiting, uh, and it lasted for weeks. And um, I was put on seven different medications at once. Uh, I lost 15 pounds, and uh, nothing worked. I was on IV fluids because uh, I couldn't even keep water down. Um, and then finally I was put on a feeding tube, but it was too late, and the baby died in the second trimester. I'm terribly sorry to hear that. What an absolutely horrible experience. Uh, so was that the motivation for you to look at this this area of study? Yeah. So while I had it, uh, my doctor had uh, told me that I just wanted more attention from my husband and from my parents who had ended up taking care of me because I became so sick that I I needed someone to change my bedpan because I couldn't get out of bed to go to the bathroom. And the doctor, even though I was that sick, told me that it was all in my head and I knew it wasn't. And I am a geneticist that works on women's health. I had already found the first genes for uterine fibroid tumors. So after this, I decided to look into what was known about it. And um, I realized that there was very little known about it, and so I decided that I was going to work on it and see if it was genetic. It didn't run in my family, so I wasn't sure. So first I had to show that it ran in families um, to give me evidence that there was a genetic component, and then I went from there um, to looking for the cause, which I've been working on for the past two decades. (laughs) 
Dr. Marlena Feizo is my guest. We're talking about uh, a new study that she has co-authored, looking at some of the more severe forms of morning sickness, even the fact that it's often misdiagnosed in pregnant women. So tell me about this hormone, GDF15, and tell me about what cause, how it can be blamed uh, for HG progressing in cases like yours. Basically, what we found was that GDF-15 is actually, it's a hormone that's at lower levels in these women that get hyperemesis prior to pregnancy. So they have a susceptibility for lower levels before pregnancy, and everybody in pregnancy gets a rapid rise of this hormone during pregnancy. And so when they get that rapid rise, because they have this predisposition for lower levels, they are hypersensitive to it during pregnancy. And so um, that's really an exciting finding because it suggests that we may be able to prevent it by pre-treating patients with the hormone prior to pregnancy or something that raises the level of the hormone prior to pregnancy to basically desensitize or prime the body for it in pregnancy. It's funny, we have been speaking about morning sickness in this country uh, quite recently, or more specifically, a drug that was prescribed to treat morning sickness during the 1950s and 1960s. That's, of course, thalidomide. We had an apology by our Prime Minister to those whose lives had been affected by thalidomide. But I just wonder if there a side effect of this was that pharmaceutical companies or researchers might have been scared off from trying to solve this morning sickness problem in the intervening years? Oh, yeah, that's definitely a big problem as to a big reason as to why there's been a lack of progress. Um, pharmaceutical companies have been scared. Uh, doctors have been scared. Patients have been scared all to take take medications uh, in pregnancy. So, but there are other reasons as well. Um, this this unfortunate uh, rationale that people think that it's all in a woman's head, um, brushing off women, um, and then there's also, uh, at least in my country, the U.S., there's a big lawsuit culture that stops pharmaceutical companies from having interest in developing it. Um, and then also because it's self-limiting. So a lot of doctors uh, will say, oh, well, it's over, uh, you know, in a few months. And so, you know, just deal with it. But actually now the research shows that there can be lasting issues with the mother and problems with the baby and the child. There's increased risk of neurodevelopmental delay and autism spectrum disorder in the children and more, uh, more post-traumatic stress disorder in the mother following an HD pregnancy and other adverse outcomes. So um, it really isn't self-limiting. Uh, and the, the, the last reason is also that uh, patients often don't even see their OB, their obstetrician, uh, for this problem because they get it so early. So they end up going to the emergency room uh, and get treated in the emergency room, at least in the U.S. And so they're not even being seen by specialists that are trained in this area of obstetrics. And so I think a lot of OBs aren't seeing 
patients with it because they're seen by these emergency room doctors and just treated and released and treated and released. And I suppose uh, emergency rooms are precisely the sorts of dismissive attitudes, um, non-specialist attitudes, or even old-fashioned sexist attitudes towards women not being listened to. If only there was a, a pill or a treatment for that. I really appreciate <laughs> your time yeah. this afternoon. And thank you so much for sharing your own story as well. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Dr. Marlena Faiso is a geneticist at the University of Southern California Keck School of Medicine here on RN Drive. <laughs> ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.